the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we're doing a little Robin Williams with a side of whatever we want to do. Uh, we're going to talk the uh, 1991 classic Hook, and then we're going to discuss the uh, late 70s, early 80s Mork and Mindy sitcom. And then we're going to be doing a whatever we want casting. Uh, we kind of didn't realize, you know, sometimes casting, recasting Robin Williams is a bit tough to do. And we didn't really want to redo it with Hook because also like a Peter Pan movie comes out every four years it feels like <laughs> so it's like i don't really need to do that and there'll be a lot of kid castings and i don't want to cast that many kids <laughs> so instead uh we are doing uh the secret six uh which is something that john recommended which is a pretty cool dc supervillain group or kind of anti-hero group i guess yeah so yeah we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about that uh come the casting time um but yeah excited for this episode always great to see robin williams and let's get our mindset back to 1991 all right, so the film was released on December 11th, 1991, Ooh. the day after I turned 11. Yeah. Uh, the Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Black or White by Michael Jackson. great song i think that was the first if i remember trivia right uh correct i think that was the first song to debut at number number one one. yeah yeah i think you're right Mm -hmm. uh for all i could tell the top of the nielsen ratings for this week was 60 minutes i don't think there was a lot of uh shows going on at the moment or you know that weren't just reruns Mm mm-hmm uh, this was also the, around this time, was the release of Sid Meier's game, Civilization. Okay, yeah. Which is a That's huge a game that I've tried to play once and couldn't get into it because it was so complicated, I just mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called Scarlet by Alexander Ripley. No idea about that one. Okay. And my fun fact for 1991, the record for the most passengers on an airplane was set in 1991 when 1,086 Ethiopian Jews were evacuated on a Boeing, Boeing 747 to Jerusalem. But the plane landed with 1,088 passengers as two babies were born during the flight. <laughs> Holy crap. That's wild. I love that stat. That was 1991. Uh, right. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's get our hook on. Hook, 1991, directed by Steven Spielberg. You probably haven't heard of him. Uh, He's done (laughs) a couple movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. Uh, Not much else, even. Right. Of course, yeah. He is the preeminent director of our time. Mm -hmm. The screenplay was written by James Hart and Nick Castle. Uh, James Hart also wrote things like uh, Muppet Treasure Island, Contact, Tuck Everlasting. Hmm. Uh, Nick Castle did Escape from New York and some other things as well. Okay. This movie, of course, is based on the J.M. Barry novel Peter and Wendy, which most people just kind of shortened to Peter Pan um, and the classic all that Peter Pan stuff. 
with Steven Spielberg, you're going to get some amazing crew. So, of course, I want to call out John Williams. He does the music, yeah. and he's phenomenal. Um, and this is a good score. This is not his best score, but this is still a strong, because it's John Williams, is a strong score for sure. I think it's a slept-on score. I think there's some sure. really good stuff that happens in this one that doesn't get as much love. I, I think because his, I don't know, I don't think he he gives us as maybe singable a melody or a or a you know a, a theme for certain players but i think he gives us some really really strong background yeah. uh, for this entire film yeah. i can agree with that uh, cinematography was done by the legendary awesome dean cundy you know a lot of stuff with uh, james carpenter putting halloween escape from new york the thing big trouble in little china but also back to the future who framed roger rabbit jurassic park apollo 13 and even some of the mandalorian Shot hmm. by Dean Cundy, so he's he's a legend in the field. Um, and uh, editing by Michael Kahn, who's done most all of Spielberg stuff, and even then some. He's a great editor. Cool. So, cast for Hook, uh, Peter Banning is played by Robin Williams, of course, the legendary, the great, the amazing Robin Williams. Uh, Captain Hook by Dustin Hoffman, uh, you know him from Graduate, Tootsie, Rain Man, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's a fantastic actor as well. I'm uh, walking Tinker- here. Um, well, you have Midnight Cowboy, of course. <laughs> uh, Tinkerbell by Julia Roberts. In a, another fairly early role for her, uh, but mm-hmm. she did already had done Pretty Woman and Mystic Pizza before this, but we also know her from Ocean's Eleven and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Smee by Bob Hoskins. We remember him best from Who Framed Roger Rabbit um, or as Mario in the Super Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> which was not a good movie, <laughs> or Mermaids with Cher. He's a, he's a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Granny Wendy by the amazing Maggie Smith, who looked ancient even in this movie. And right. she is still, <laughs> she looks so old in that movie. And he, she's still around, man. I think they tried to make her look older in this film. I think I think she looks, now she looks like what they were trying to make her look yes. like in this film. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. Because she was only, oh, she wasn't, oh my gosh. Yeah, she was not even 60 at that time. So she, okay. they absolutely aged her up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely aged her up. But yeah. But uh, of course, we most people should all know Maggie Smith from the Harry Potter franchise, um, Downton Abbey. She was in the Sister Act movies. She's awesome. So, uh, Moira Banning, uh, the wife of Peter Banning, was played by Caroline Goodall. She was in Cliffhanger, Schindler's List, uh, Princess Diaries, quite a bit of stuff for from her. And then Jack Banning, the son. Played by Charlie Corsmo. Um, we talked about him. We saw him in Dick Tracy uh, yeah, with yeah. that movie. He's also in Can't Hardly Wait, What About Bob, and some other things. And then Maggie Banning is played by Amber Scott. And this was pretty much her only acting role. So. Okay. Which I'm kind of surprised because she sort of had like that cute 90s kid vibe. But I just oh, absolutely. thought she would have done more stuff. But Maybe uh, she just didn't have a good experience on this film. Didn't like it. Didn't want to keep doing it. You never know. As possible, uh, definitely possible. So, uh, the this movie had a budget of seventy million dollars and a box office of three hundred million. So it was a definite success, absolutely. And I think we had the VHS of this one. I, I agree. So. Yeah, like I remember seeing this movie very often as a kid. Like you know, my own nostalgia I'll dive into is absolutely. This movie was around. I remember it. You know. Not necessarily, I don't necessarily fully remember it coming out, but I just remember it being one that we would go to often enough. I, know, I remember liking it, and yeah, I remember I remember this one being a classic of, of the kid era for me. Yeah, 
All right. Uh, anything else before we dive into our scene by scene breakdown? Nope. All right. Let's get into it. So we start off at the uh, uh, at a play at a school play, and they're doing Peter Pan. Uh, Maggie, the child, is playing Wendy, and Peter gets a call from his cell phone. And at this time, John, this is like ninety one. So this is the time where like only like uh, is a sign of like being like that rich uppity kind of business class type of person if you actually had a cell phone at that time Mm -hmm. Um, and overall we just find out that he and see that he misses a lot of the things that you know his kids do because of work and there's this upcoming baseball game that we cut to and peter doesn't make it there um he just in general he we see him being this intense kind of business dude or whatnot he's apparently a lawyer but he works for this whatever firm um, and he's even, they even have like a classic shot of him walking down the hall, you know, with all these kind of yes men behind him, all this kind of stuff. And, and Jack strikes out because he's just, you know, things are not going good for him in general. Mm. So, uh, Peter and the family are going to go fly over to England to go see, uh, Maggie. And we just get some uh, things from Peter that he hates flying. He hates heights, um, stuff like that, which is ironic, of course, when you, think about it but it's it's very well written maggie shows him a picture of the plane that they're on going down that jack drew uh and everybody has a parachute except for him jack is not happy with him right now for missing his game (laughs) so he's gonna kill everyone on the plane (laughs) everybody playing because of it exactly uh also i will say jack's being a little shit with his baseball throwing it around like in the plane and whatnot like no one would have that no 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 yeah there definitely, it would have been more more people annoyed with Jack for that than just his father. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do get to England, and they we see Granny Wendy, and they get to the house, and we meet the the housekeeper Liza, and this old man Tootles, who's lost his marbles. <laughs> He's just acting very crazy. So that's something that we know there. And you know, seeing Wendy, um, she's the great grandmother to these kids. And she instill, instills a little rule. Now, there is one rule I insist be obeyed while you are in my house. No growing up. Phenomenal dialogue in this movie. Uh, yeah. Little things that pepper in, you know, and even foreshadow, like, everything about, you know, the Peter Pan stuff. You know, and of course, all this stuff was released in the trailer people all knew this you know it wasn't it's not a twist that peter ends up being peter pan but i think the writing and and the way that they have this going is really strong here just all this little stuff uh, the allusions to the actual book and whatnot so peter goes to yeah this we see this room that looks like it comes out of a fairy tale it's like there's one where like these beds and this big old window and we know that is going to be the window that Peter goes through and all this kind of stuff. Um, but Peter gets a work call and while his, you know, family and kids are being loud and he can't take it anymore, he explodes. He yells at them, tells them to shut up. And just in general, there's tension between him and the family and Moira th- ends up throwing his phone out the window because she's tired of this shit. So, yeah. of course, upsets him. Uh, Granny Wendy reads Maggie the Harry Potter or sorry, not the Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> the Peter Pan. That's what it would be for today, but right. uh, the Peter Pan book, you know, to her telling them that she was the real Wendy from the book and that their na- neighbor, J.M. Barry, took their stories and wrote them down. So she does kind of say Which that is she's part not of exactly true uh, from what I, what I read, because I did kind of want to know. Apparently, he took in, a, uh, I think it was some of his nephews or, or uh, like orphan kids, and he took them in. Uh, I don't know if they were neighbors or something like that, mm-hmm. but they were sort of the inspiration for like the Lost Boys and what became Peter Pan. Okay, gotcha. 
All right, so yeah, so obviously a fictionalized version of how J.M. Barry got the book. Um, and the kids eventually go to bed, and Peter gives Jack his pocket watch. He's trying to, I guess, trying to make amends to him and that kind of stuff. Then we find out they go to this large event that's honoring Wendy because she's been running this orphanage and all this kind of stuff. And we get a little backstory about Peter in this one. Um, I keep wanting to call. I got a problem because <laughs> Robin Williams... He was in a movie called Jack, and so but his kid is named Jack, and so when I think Robin Williams and he's the name Jack, I think of Robin Williams because of that movie Jack. But it, it's all confusing to me. But anyway, so but we get some backstory of uh, Peter's life and about how Wendy has helped shaped all the lives of these kids and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, Toodles uh, back at the house is acting weird, and he keeps repeating hook 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 and there's this big window upstairs that when it flies open, the kids are apparently taken. Wendy. Feeling it apparently all the way from where she is at the uh, this banquet is is a little bit shook. I thought she was going to die right there. I, right. <laughs> she kind of had that vibe. Um, but then they all get back to Wendy's house and they see that the house has been busted into. Like there's like these almost like a singular claw mark or something that's you know tearing up the walls. Lights are not working. The kids are gone and there's a note with a dagger and it's a note to Peter from Captain Hook. What the fuck? <laughs> In comes Toodles. Have to fly. Have to fight. Have to crow. Have to save Maggie. Have to save Jack. Okay, he's back. So, holy shit. Okay, something's going on. We cut to the police. Uh, and they're collecting evidence, uh, you know, for what's going to... Because, of course, Peter's just going to call the police. Um, again, we see Toodles is talking about no more happy thoughts and forgetting to fly. It's like, it's, it's acting really weird. Uh, did you recognize that police officer, the inspector? I certainly did this time. Uh, <laughs> that is the one and only Phil Collins. I didn't realize that until this viewing. Um, same, there's some, same. There's some other more famous, I would say, um, or more iconic kind of cameos in this movie that we will talk about in a bit. But I had no idea that Phil Collins was in this until I was like kind of looking at the IMDb and I was like, wait a minute, what? Phil Collins? And then I saw him up there and I was like, oh, wow. It's like right in your face. But cool. (laughs) Very cool. Uh, So Peter and Wendy talk and Peter can't remember anything from back in the day. Like before he was about like, you know, 12 or 13, he just has no memory of anything. He only remembers you know, being at her place and, and meeting Moira and et cetera, et cetera. And she tells him the truth. She uh, mentions that, you know, she thought they were going to fall in love, uh, that, you know, she loved Peter when she was a kid. Uh, but what? When she was a kid, she's really old now. But it was her granddaughter that he fell for, that he was Peter Pan. And he uh, decided to not return to Never Neverland. Uh, and would stay with his granddaughter, or with her granddaughter, and that's that's what happened here. And of course, he thinks she's crazy, but she's like, no, man, the stories are all true, and that you are the real Peter Pan. He doesn't take that news great, so what does he do? He drinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, has some uh, drinks, and he's standing at the window when uh, this light comes towards him, and it's Tinkerbell, the little fairy, the sprite, is flying in, and of course, he thinks he's having a nervous breakdown, or he's dying or something. Um, and he can't fly, you know, he can't, he doesn't understand what's going on. He's forgotten everything. And he does scream. I do not believe in fairies! She then kind of fakes her death or maybe does <laughs> die and he has to clap to get her, you know, hands to save her. That kind of stuff is all that stuff from the book. It's all cute. Right. We all remember that from like the, I mean, I, I think most people our age know more of the Disney cartoon than we do the book. I've never read the book myself. 
I have also never read the book. I remember the Disney cartoon, and I remember a live action sort of. Oh, with the, the there's a fe- the female who was playing female, Peter Pan? yeah. It's like a short blonde or something. Yes, like that. Uh, which uh, so apparently this actually originally started out as a play. So it was a play first, then it was a novel. Mm. Uh, and the original and the original uh, Peter was a woman. So I think okay. I think it's a tradition that uh, on stage Peter is typically played by a woman because it's supposed to be a child yeah. who can act. And so I think they just kind of decided to use probably shorter women in that mm-hmm. role. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I may or may not have written a trivia question about that. Oh, okay. Very cool. Well, to our fans who also listen to Throwback Trivia Takedown, pay attention. Actually, it wasn't right. for Throwback Trivia Takedown. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, never <laughs> for mind. For something else. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Tinkerbell ends up kind of knocking out Peter uh, by <laughs> tripping him up, and she flies him to Neverland. As she flies... There's pixie dust, you know, that kind of falls behind her. And we even see like these two people on a bridge floating up and kissing. And I wouldn't ask if you recognize them because it's way too impossible. But apparently uh, those people who fly up into the pixie dust, the man kissing on the bridge and woman kissing on the bridge Mm -hmm. is George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. Really? That's that is in the credits or it's in the IMDb like uncredited section. Allegedly, that's that's the thing. Okay. I didn't know that either. It's impossible to tell because it's so far away, but apparently. All right. So Peter wakes up in like this land of all these pirates. Why did Tinkerbell take him there? I want to know. I don't know. That never made sense to me. Like, well, at some point they do mention that she was going to take him to Hook. Okay. Then that must be it. That must be it. And I I just read that actually Carrie Fisher was hired uh, to do punch up. On the dialogue, especially Tinkerbell's dialogue. I've heard, I mean, she, I've, I've she heard that she was a, a, a okay. big time script doctor. That's what I've heard as well. Yeah. So, so, so that, maybe, yeah. that would make sense why she would be there or be okay. involved. All right. So anyway, so let's say, yeah, Tinkerbell's taking him to see Hook. So he's, you know, near all these pirates who are all kind of, they're acting all piratey. And he thinks it's like some weird theme park that he's in or some shit. And some of them try to steal his shoes and there's a cameo from somebody called the Shoe Stealing Pirate. Now, did you recognize him? I, I, I didn't. I didn't. But uh, apparently that was Jimmy Buffett. Uh, oh. One of the pirates who tried to steal his shoes. So. Okay. And I know that because he's credited as Shoe Stealing Pirate. So anyway, <laughs> Tinkerbell saves him and, uh, and he has to kind of now start being a fake pirate. It's a funny little thing where she kind of explains to him how he's supposed to act. And, and he starts acting that way in his great Robin Williams fashion. And then we see Smee uh, getting a new hook for the captain who comes out as they're all chanting his name. And Dustin Hoffman, I just, I got to call out. I think, one, I think Bob Hoskins is a phenomenal Smee. And I also think Dustin Hoffman is a phenomenal hook. Like he just, yeah. he, he fits so perfectly into that that cheesy realm. Like, you know, I think it just, it just makes sense. We see a one pirate who yells out, long live the hook. Did you recognize that pirate? No. He actually he shows up multiple times actually in this movie. That was David Crosby of Crosby Stills. Oh, Nash I did. Young. Yes, I did recognize him. He he shows up multiple him. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right, yeah, just tons of cameos. Uh, and his plan, as he kind of mentions, is to bait Peter with his children, uh, so he can get Peter in to finally kill him because he apparently he survived. You know the the being eaten by the crocodile the first time because he stuffed him basically and 
and killed him and all that, or killed the crocodile and yada, 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 and he's back now. Um, but he does think that there's someone who's not loyal in this crew around him. He's kind of like sniffing him out, basically, and he goes to the pirate who is right next to Peter, who's obviously disguised as a different pirate. This person gets put into the boo box. Boo box. Uh, I you I know you recognize this pirate. Uh, that was because that's that's one of the most cited trivia things yes. about this movie ever, and that was Glenn Close. It was Glenn Close. Uh, they put uh, Glenn Close all bearded up and whatnot. Like I had, I'll tell you, I had no idea it was Glenn Close until like that trivia started coming around, like yeah, a decade ago or more or whatever it was that yeah. people started mentioning it. Uh, so yeah, but the boo box seemed very scary because. Drop these scorpions <laughs> into this uh, thing with you. Um, all right, Mac and ja- uh, Jack and Maggie are pulled up in a net, and Peter then reveals himself because he wants to get his kids back. And Hook is in disbelief. He, he he's like, "You're Peter. You're old and you're fat, and you're not even a shadow of Peter Pan." He says, "Pick up your weapon," which his weapon is. He's got his checkbook that he pulls out because he's going to try and buy him off. He thinks that you know it's kidnapping for money, um, but Hook just shoots through the checkbook and even kills the person behind it. I love it. Uh, I did. You know, I do enjoy when Disney and this kind of this is. I know this isn't a Disney movie, but like movies, just understood. Sometimes people die, <laughs> and yeah. nowadays, like they would never. Because heck, there's a whole bunch of people that kind of die in this movie that yeah. get killed off. So, but instead, he's like, well. You know what? I I want to face like the real Peter. You know, if you want your kids back, go and climb and fly up to them. You know, do that. Um, but Peter's afraid of heights. He can't do it, and he's forgotten how to fly. And so he tries to go get the kids, but he can't. And he just can't. He can't make it. He's not willing and not able to reach out and touch them. Is all he's supposed to has to do. And Hook's just disappointed in all this, and so he's just yes, yeah, just kill them all. It's, it's worthless. Uh, and then Tinkerbell though. Uh, intervenes and she kind of appeals to Hook's ego. You know, it's like, hey, if you you want this war, this is what you want to do to prove that you're better than Peter Pan. And so she ap- appeals to that and says, hey, let me give, give me some time. So they agree on three days. In three days' time, we're gonna try to train up Peter to come back and have this war that uh, that Hook wants so badly. Three days is still not nearly enough. No. But this is no. Neverland, so. It's yeah, it's never you know what? Yes, exactly. It's fantasy. We'll allow it, but maybe the days are just totally different, but cuz it affects memory and maybe it affects the way you train up because yes, <laughs> you have to your your conditioning is not going to change from 3 days now of doing a little bit of running. So. All right, anyway, Peter gets knocked off the ship accidentally this time, and then we get kind of the weirdest scene. I don't really, I don't really remember the mermaids from the cartoon, but I did go back and rewatch their scene. They were kind of actually kind of little bitchy mermaids that hated Wendy. They're like, um, yeah, they're like pulling on her hair or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. I remember they're that weird. part. So it's a little cameo, I guess, of these mermaids. They come and they kiss air into Peter, so he doesn't drown. It's kind of weird. I never understood it, but it's also kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of a hot scene. Sure. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. So but whatever, he gets pulled out and whatnot. And uh later Peter sees uh, more of Neverland and he meets the Lost Boys, who also, of course, are so confused because he's so old. <laughs> and then we get one of the most badass entrances, I would say, in film history. Rufi Oh, <laughs> As he kind of 
skateboard things, you know, sailing skateboard, whatever, on this track uh, down there. All the kids, you know, chanting his name. It's so cool. And Rufio says, oh, you know, you're an adult. You're a pirate and we kill pirates. He's like, I'm not a pirate. I'm a lawyer. Kill the lawyer. And then they all chase him. It's great. Uh, You know, and then we get some, uh, you know, they, they shoot him with some weird sticky arrow things. And then he gets some weird smelling flowers that start smelling him including his balls, <clears throat> if, whatever. And we see it's like a skateboard basketball game and Tinkerbell's trying to convince the kids and whatnot. Rufio, Rufio is calling out, you know, that he can't fly, fight, or crow. And he draws a line in the sand eventually. And, you know, like, who believes this is Peter Pan? And so everybody is coming to his side, except for this one little wise child, this one little kid. And he kind of examines Peter's face. He's kind of pushing back, you know, the wrinkles and, and the fat and just to kind of get a better view of the face. Oh, there you are, Peter. Oh, there you are, Peter. He's kind of finally seeing it. Some others are others are now seeing him as well. You know, he is the Peter Pan. And Rufio, though, we see is, is still skeptical. And also, I think Rufio seems a bit hesitant to give up his power. All right, we see Hook is upset with having to wait. Uh, and then he gets an epiphany. And his epiphany is that life is not worth it if Peter Pan is just going to be this failure. Like, beating him is nothing. So he's going to go kill himself. And he grabs a a (laughs) pistol and he's about to do it. Don't stop me, Smee. Smee, 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 don't stop me. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, Smee. Try to stop me. Smee, you better get up off your ass. Get over here, Smee. I'm coming. Stop me, Smee. Stop me! And then he gets him there. He uh, he does he he does want to kill Peter, and that's going to be his adventure. And Smee then thinks of something. He's a smart little tactician. They're here, and he thinks Hook should sway Peter Pan's kids, and that will be the ultimate revenge. Because uh, now that Peter is old enough and has kids, the way of of getting back at him would be to to push his kids to love Hook more. So, all right, that's an idea. Peter does some training, you know, he's doing sword training and fight training and or flight training as well. He's trying all this stuff. It's not working great. And then we also see Hook is educating the kids. He's trying to move them to his side and Maggie's not having it. She's just so innocent and she's just loyal to her parents and, and, her, and her mom and, and Peter as well and her dad. But he is getting through to Jack um, and he emphasizes that his dad missed Jack's baseball games and all this kind of stuff. So. That will be where he puts most of his emphasis now. Uh, And it's dinner time for Peter and the Lost Boys. And I do love the line, everybody say grace. Everybody say grace. Bless this, O Lord. Grace! And then they (laughs) just start eating. And they're yelling and they're digging in. But the food, it's not there. It's like imaginary food. What the heck? Peter can't see it. He's hungry. You know, he just wants to actually eat. This is a, one of the better scenes, I think, more at least more memorable scenes in the movie. Peter and Rufio end up kind of sitting on opposite ends of the table, and they start having like a dissing contest, and it gets really fun. Lion, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig! You loot, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude. Make a race, Peter! If I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? You two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium brain, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy. 
What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is. That's a paramecium. It's a one-celled critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. I really like it. Um, very fun. You know, as a kid, you absolutely love this scene. And Peter ends up winning. You know, the kids are chanting back and forth. And kind of as an end thing, Peter flicks imaginary food at... Rufio, which turns into real food, and now they can all see, he can all see the food, and they're he's playing with them. You're doing it, Peter. You're you're doing it. <laughs> you're playing with us, uh, and the it's uh you know the the food fight breaks out, of course, because naturally, uh, though Rufio, still being a little upset, th- chucks a coconut at Peter, who is able to grab a sword and slice it in half, and he is becoming. Peter Pan. It's kind of remember, not quite remembering, but he's at least like, you know, the, the muscle memory is getting back there. All right. And then this larger kid named Thudbutt, I didn't realize he had a name, <laughs> Thudbutt, uh, talks about Toodles and his missing marbles. And he hands Peter this bag of marbles because he actually missed his marbles. <laughs> there's also, a, I don't know if we're going to bring it up, but there's also a lost boy whose name was Don't Ask. And I uh-huh. never understood that because I thought, I thought that when they were calling his name, they were telling him, don't ask. But I didn't uh, realize that was actually his name. It's don't ask. Yeah. Don't ask. I, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but he says, uh, Thudbutt says that those were, uh, the marbles are his, are Toodles' happy thoughts. Okay. Because mm. he was another one of the lost boys. And he mentions even that his happy thought is his mother. And But Peter can't think of his happy thought yet. So, uh, And then Maggie sings a song if, with the pirates. On my own Isn't that a wonder When you're alone You're not alone And I was like, well, she's a little bit tone deaf to be singing. I'm not going to lie. She was, <laughs> a little, a good... she was a little off, but I mean, she was a little kid. It, the, she's a... the song I found to be a little weird because she's just singing. It doesn't make this a musical of it in any way. Yeah. She's not singing plot or she's not singing dialogue of any kind. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of come out of nowhere. It's a cute song. Yeah, it's fine. I, it, you're right. It comes out of nowhere and it doesn't really. Maybe it's, it's, it's like a tie to when Wendy would sing. Maybe. In Peter Pan. That's my guess. By the way, did you catch. Speaking of cameos, uh, did you catch who played the young Wendy in the? Oh the yes, yeah, we have, we're not we're not there yet. Oh okay, yes, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. All right, so now it's uh, we'll cut to the morning. Jack's pocket watch that he got from his dad wakes up Hook because of course, of course we know Hook hates clocks because of that crocodile, and he takes him to like this area with all this you know this room with a bunch of smashed clocks, and he has Hook has. Jack smash his dad's pocket watch and then he also takes out his frustrations on it from his father on other clocks and whatnot so Cook is obviously swaying Jack right Mm -hmm. now so uh, the pirates hold a baseball game because they know you know Jack loves baseball um, and the pirates are even you know they're chanting and whatnot they at first start off run home Jack uh, but that's backwards and so they have to switch it to home run Jack because he almost kind of in Neverland is messing with his memory and hook is using that to his advantage so so jack clobbers the ball he uh he's he hits a home run and all the pirates cheer peter and them are kind of infiltrating there he's seeing this as well 
you know, because they had snuck in because they're trying to they want to steal or they, they see Hook's hook and they're going to steal it. But Peter sees that Jack is taken in by the pirates and he's saddened by this. Uh, reinvigorated by that passion and wanting to get his kids, he is going to retry flying and he's giving it a go. And then he gets hit in the head by a baseball. And here's where he sees a younger, younger self in the water. You know, we kind of see his younger version of himself and and that his shadow you know, is leading him to this hidden tree. And then in there, Tinkerbell is all dressed up and Peter finds a thimble and a kiss. And this is where he remembers. Um, he remembers his mother, who was played by Kelly Rowan. She was in the OC and some other things. Um, and then Peter as a baby was in a stroller. Apparently he ran away. I thought I always thought it was weird. That he says, oh, I ran away. But like, no, you're a baby. Yeah. You're in a stroller. <laughs> stroller just <laughs> yeah. rolled away. Exactly. But apparently Tinkerbell found him as a child. But then I think that's even weirder because, okay, you don't grow up in Neverland. And so if he got to Neverland as a baby, he would have just stayed a baby. Right. Right? I, yeah, it's full of holes. It's full of holes. And <laughs> fucking plot holes everywhere. I guess this is as good a time as any to bring this up. So apparently uh, Julie Roberts' nickname on set was Tinker Hell. Oh, they were not fans uh, of her? Because uh, she was notoriously very difficult to work with. Now, part of it was because she was isolated Almost all of her scenes are green screen, so she was by herself from uh-huh. almost all of her dialogue. Yeah, uh, with the the one exception of when she like makes herself big a little bit later in the movie. Other than that, also at the time that they were shooting this, uh, her her wedding to Kiefer Sutherland was called off, and she Ooh. disappeared to Ireland to just to kind of be alone for a little bit. And apparently, Spielberg like threatened to fire her if she didn't return immediately. <laughs> Jeez. So apparently she okay. was not. I think this was like her second film, or no, 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 no. It, was definitely, it was not her second no, film. She, it, 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 it was early she on. She had but Mystic Pizza in the eighties, and yeah, I think she'd had a few. Woman she had a few was in this out. one, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. So, so apparently she was not easy to work with on this film. Gotcha. So we're still in the flashbacks and things like that, and we're getting kind of the story of young Wendy and whatnot. And here is that person you alluded to who uh, played uh, in an early role for her. It's not even a cameo, but this is actually just an early role, I think, for this actress mm-hmm. uh, who was... Goop Girl. <laughs> yes, Goop Girl. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. Yeah, and very early. I think it was one of her first few roles. I think it, it was her second film. That's who. Okay. That's what I was thinking of when I said that. Okay, Sure. Um, and also we see yeah, Peter meeting Moira and, and whatnot and deciding to stay with her, you know, as he being like that younger Peter Pan. So and then we Peter remembers him becoming a father uh, and that's his happy thought. And part of me was like, it took you this long to remember that your kid's birth is going to be one of your happy moments. Come on, man. Like <laughs> that's that's like the top cliche thing. You totally should have known that. But anyway, he starts flying because of it and triumphant music goes as he soars into the air. So now Peter uh, shows up uh, Rufio and all this kind of stuff and who ends up surrendering his sword to the real Peter Pan. You can fly. You can fight. You can crow cock-a-doodle-doo. They do their little crowing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's back, baby. So, all right. That night, Peter talks to Tinkerbell, who's sad because he's forgotten. He's starting to forget about his kids and he needs to save them because he's kind of now that he's kind of readdressed his Peter Panness, he's kind of. You know, forgetting about his 
his life in the regular world. So my uh, my wife had a theory that only boys lose their memory in Neverland. Oh, because okay. The, Maggie uh, has no problem. Maggie doesn't ever seem to lose her memory, and Wendy clearly never did in the story. Yeah, it's only boys who and Tinkerbell doesn't have any problems either. But I mean, if, if right. not that that matters, but okay, I like that. That's a good theory. Yeah, that's a good theory. I mean, all they are called the Lost Boys. So. Sure. Yeah, I like that. So, but yeah, um, she ends up enlarging to human size and. And we also find out that she talks about that she was in love with Peter and all this kind of stuff. This Everybody loved Peter in this fucking movie. I guess. Tinkerbell was in love with him. Uh, Wendy was in love with him. And then Moira as well. Like, I get it, but he's... So that that makes Tinkerbell a pedophile because she loved him when he was a boy. <laughs> yes, he, granted, she's small, but she was a grown pixie to our he, knowledge. Yeah, you're not lying. <laughs> so... That makes you a pedophile. I'll be damned if I'm going to sit here and be lectured by a pervert. (laughs) You pedophile. That's a great line. All right. So, um, but he loves his, he loves Moira and the kids and whatnot. So she pushes him to, to save his kids. And so the lost boys suit up for war. We, uh, cut over to Jack. Who's all dressed like a little mini hook. It's cute. He's about to get an earring when pan comes in, cuts out like his little silhouette. I also did not like this because the continuity pissed me off. He cut. He cuts the shape of a, like you know it's a Peter Pan, and then when right. you look move up to it, it's just basically almost like a hole. And like it, right. it should have been the perfect Peter Pan cutout. Right. What the fuck? Uh, but <laughs> but whatever. So you know he flies in, and uh, Jack currently not really remembering his dad. He's having troubles with that. But uh, as we because I was mentioned, Neverland fucks with memories, but. He doesn't currently want to go with Peter because of that. So as this fighting with the pirates happens, Peter is talking to Jack, you know, simultaneously, you know, that he's his happy thought, um, you know, was his birth and stuff. Um, I, I'm going to say it now. I feel bad for Maggie. Uh, Maggie gets the shaft in this movie because everything yeah. gets revolved around Jack. You're my happy thought. You're my firstborn. You're my baby boy. Like, right. why isn't Maggie the fucking happy thought? Like, she's the one who never doubted you. She's the right. one who loved you unconditionally. Like, Jack gets all the fucking credit. And I'm just like, damn, this movie was made. Was This movie was made for boys. It's a yeah. boy movie. And I it, it just... Honestly, watching it now as I'm older, I'm just like, damn, I felt bad for his other kid because I think Maggie just kind of really got pushed aside. So anyway, that's my two cents. Sure. At one point, Peter gets caught in a net and he has to yell bangerang and then the Lost Boys comes in and all this fighting. Uh, We get some silly things like an egg gun and then, you know, they have gun to shoot marbles and thud butt as a bowling ball and all this ridiculous stuff on the fights and whatnot. <laughs> Rufio about to fight with hook, but then Peter comes in, but then has to head out to go save Maggie. Uh, and then she yells, Peter pans, my dad. So she's kind of made that realization, but Daddy! Daddy! Peter pans, my dad. Hook and Rufio fight. And another damn good scene here. Where Hook ends up besting Rufio, stabs him in the heart. I do like this. It is a really nice shot of... Because, you know, Peter Pan flies with happy thoughts. And as he's right. going close to him, he sees Rufio die. And he's almost, like, pushed back by, like, almost a, a gust of not happy things. But he's able to to get to Rufio, who dies. And his dying yeah. wish is that he wish he would have had a dad like Peter. And that's what kind of clicks in the memory with Jack. 
Um, and he tells Peter that he just wants to go home and he just wants to leave. Uh, so Peter's about to just head out. You know, he's not going to kill Hook. He just wants to go. He just wants to return with his family. But Hook, ever present, uh, tells him that he will always be there. He'll always be the threat to the family. Uh, and so he basically he has to end the fight now. Uh, and so we get a solid little sword fight. And there's great music. I think this sword fight here was, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think I actually, yeah. I did a pad list and I think I... And this was this was either an honorable mention or it was like a number five, I think, or something like that for me. Um, just okay. because I remember this one and I liked it. It's obviously trying to best him and beat him and whatnot. And he's telling Peter, no, this is all a dream. You're just some lawyer and whatever. And it's all, you know, that it's all bullshit. But then the Lost Boys, they tell him, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you, Peter. I believe in you. You are the best. You're Peter Pan. I believe in you, Peter. You are the Peter Pan. Yada, yada, yada. The fight continues. And then I'll, then the Lost Boys pull out all these clocks. And then it really fucks <laughs> with his head. And uh, Hook just is kind of overwhelmed because he obviously hates clocks. And then um, Peter is obviously winning this. He removes his wig. Dustin Hoffman looks really old. You know, he's got his short hair and not his wig on. He's just this old man. They're about to kill Hook, but Maggie and Jack stop him. They say, no, we just want to go home. They're about to head out, but Hook's got a hidden blade in his shirt, so boom, he's a he's got ready about to kill Peter, uh, but instead, Tinkerbell moves his hook that he was about to, like, stab him with from, you know, hitting Peter to stabbing into this giant stuffed crocodile. You think it's stuffed. I don't know, but then it moves on its own, and it looks down at Hook and it falls onto him and eat, eats him. I never liked this ending. I haven't either. I it's mean, they're weird. all... It, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense to me because, like, he killed the crocodile. It's obviously just some weird stuffed crocodile clock thing now, but it's somehow alive. And then even when it's alive, it just falls, like, down on its mouth and it doesn't, like, move normally. All right. <laughs> I don't get it, but all right. So they won. Yay, they won the battle. And Peter realizes he needs to go back, you know, to the real world with his kids. But before he leaves, Peter gives his sword to someone else. He's going to have Thudbutt be the next leader of the group, which I think is pretty fitting. Thudbutt was actually proven to be a pretty good fighter and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they, they fly off. And back in the real world, the kids return to bed and they embrace with their mother. And Peter wakes up near some statue outside in the cold. Uh, for some reason was it all a dream who knows um and this guy who is sweeping near it looks just like smee then tinkerbell then shows up i guess proving that it was a real thing and she says she basically tells him that she'll always love him um okay and then uh, on his way in he hears a cell phone ring and he grabs it but he's all high on life right now and he climbs up a drain pipe and then uh embraces moira and throws his cell phone out the window again and uh, returns the marbles to Toodles, who is so excited because, you know, they're, those are his happy thoughts. And he's uh, begins to fly with some pixie dust and whatnot. Um, and he starts flying out the window. Now, here's my note on this. Mm-hmm. I get it. Peter, Wendy, the kids have all seen this kind of thing now. Moira hasn't seen any of this shit. And she's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. She's just looking like it's a normal thing from this little fucking Toodles guy. This old man flying out the goddamn window. Right. Don't you think she'd be freaking out a bit? I do. <laughs> so we assume he's flying off to Neverland or something, and uh, that's the end of the movie on a wide shot. Kind of his toodles flies off to the second star to the right, and that's Hook. Um, I'll start off because 
Did you sure. did, did you watch? Did the kids watch it with you this time? They did. Okay, then yeah, I want I want to save that for the end. So as I already mentioned, poor Maggie really got the shaft in this movie. I think her character um, and just overall little girls, not to say just terribly represented, but they had a girl here who was just a cute, good little like kind of nineties you know kid, and all the emphasis went to Jack. Every fucking thing went to Jack on this one, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was kind of weird. Overall, it's still a very cute movie. I will say for me, something's not as magical as it once was with Hook. Mm-hmm. I still like it, and I still respect it. And actually, I got more out of the dialogue this time, particularly the early side of it. As I mentioned, a lot of little foreshadowing, a lot of little stuff peppered in that would allude to Peter Pan. And I actually appreciated that a lot as I got older. But I will say, you know, this was great movie as a kid, and I will say it's a good movie as an adult. Largely, I agree. It's it was still fun t- to watch. Uh, the ending, I've never really liked the ending with the the crocodile. Like none of that has ever made sense to yeah. me. Yeah, I will applaud Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins. I think they did a yeah. fantastic job. And actually, apparently, in an interview, uh, he said that their kind of their aha moment between the two of them of how to play the characters when they realized they needed to play them like quote a couple of old queens. <laughs> okay. And played them like a, essentially they played them like a gay, an older gay couple. Yeah, that and makes sense. It works. And it, it it kind of it worked to you know what they were doing. Both of my kids did watch it. I don't think my I don't think my daughter made it all the way through. Oh no. She had already seen it once before. I think okay. at my mother in law's house. Uh, my son seemed to enjoy it. Okay. He seemed to enjoy it. Uh, I wouldn't say he loved it or disliked it. I think it was somewhere in the middle. All right. Well, I mean, it feels a little disappointing, but like, because this is like a, such a huge classic movie. Um, and I know our good friend Max at Ready to Retro, like, this is his favorite movie of all time, he would say. Yeah. It's good. It's good, but it, it's good. I, I've lost a little bit of the shine. All right. We are moving on to Mork and Mindy, of course, another Robin Williams project. Uh, This one ran from 1978 to 1982. Four seasons, 95 episodes on ABC. One of the many spinoffs from the show Happy Days. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a take on the 1960s show My Favorite Martian, but uh, for the uh, late 70s, uh, early 80s crowd. So. It was created by Joe Glauberg, Dale McRaven, and Gary Marshall. Joe Glauberg uh, wrote for things like The Odd Couple, Happy Days, and The Love Boat. Dale McRaven wrote for things like uh, Dick Van Dyke Show, Gomer Pyle, Laverne and Shirley, and also created Perfect Strangers. Uh, And then Gary Marshall created Odd Couple, created Happy Days, created Laverne and Shirley, Joni Loves Chachi, and we remember him because we saw him in movies like A League of Their Own and Hocus Pocus. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, the cast for this show, uh, of course, Mork was Robin Williams. Uh, Mindy was played by Pam Dauber. Uh, she was in a show called My Sister Sam. Um, I remember her, I guess, a tiny bit, or she was a voice in the 101 Dal- Dalmatians cartoon show for a bit as well, but that's really, she has some other stuff as well. Okay. Orson uh, is kind of like this, it's an alien from Orc that Mork would report to, his findings to, kind of like typically near the end of the episodes. Right. Was voiced uh, by Ralph James, and he was the voice of Doctor Doom in the 1980s Spider-Man show, uh, okay. among other things as well, but also the voice of Mr. Turtle in the Tootsie Pop commercial. Okay. Apparently, yeah. Mr. Turtle. How many licks? 
and he he's the one who says I, yeah, I could never I could never I, what I couldn't go without biting ask Mr. Owl and then oh that's right on. yeah he pushes it off to the to the owl for all right uh Fred who is Mindy's father is played by Conrad Janice uh he was in airport 1975 which I think is the show that it was a movie that I think airport then kind of parodied airplane Airplane, sorry, that Airplane yeah, yeah. parodied. Yeah, that's basically what it was. He was also in The Cable Guy. He's in many things. Uh, Grandma Cora is played by Elizabeth Kerr. She had a lot of small parts. Mr. Bickley, who was like a neighbor, uh, was played by Tom uh, Poston. Uh, he was in the show Newhart. He's been lots of small parts. I saw him and I immediately was like, oh, I have seen you in stuff. Um, it's just, it couldn't come to me about what he, what I'd seen him in, but he's been in a bunch. And then, of course, a lot of other actors uh, had parts or other cameos between... Morgan Fairchild, Raquel Welsh, John Larroquette, William Shatner, David Letterman, and even Robbie the Robot uh, showed up in Mork and Mindy. I see Jonathan Winters on there, too. Oh, That's yeah. Nice. Big name. It is good. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about what do you remember watching from Mork and Mindy? It was definitely one of those um, Nick at Night shows that I, I think Nick at Night, actually, it, it might have been still on mm. syndication at some at some point. That I would watch whenever it was on. I, you know, I don't remember if it if it was like on a regular time, um, but I definitely watched it. I found I thought Robin Williams was just absolutely hilarious, and, it, and probably was might have been some of the catalyst for what became my absolute love of stand up comedy. Okay, I didn't watch mu- much of Mork and Mindy because I was not you know, awake for a lot of either Nick at night or whenever this kind of came on. I don't Mm -hmm. think I had seen in passing, of course, you know, you see clips or I've seen like probably like a, maybe one full episode or something until watching a a couple for this show or for, uh, for this podcast. But, but yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a wacky sitcom where you're trying to hide the, this alien and there's a whole bunch of fish out of water kind of comedy that comes from it. You know, he doesn't understand, you know, it's very similar enough to like perfect strangers or other stuff. Right. other weird stuff, you know, but Mork and Mindy do have a romantic relationship eventually. They actually, in season four, they had a kid. Uh, that's what you mentioned. Jonathan Winters is their kid, Mirth, oh. or Mirth, or something like Mir- that, yeah. Mirth. Um, because apparently in Orkin physiology, Orkins age backwards, almost like Benjamin Button, where the elder, they have elderly adult bodies, but with the mind of a child and regressing to, to the feeble older kids. It, it actually, Mirth makes sense, though, because it's Mork from Ork. Mirth from Earth. That oh my god, it totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even wow, wow, that totally makes sense. So, uh, and the show had like you know there was all these oh you know classicy little things you know stuff that would happen. Of course, you got to throw up. Um, you know he would nanu nanu was his thing. It would almost he would right. have like the almost the live long and prosper Vulcan thing, but which was a, a nod to that specifically. There was another phrase or word he would say was shazbat or shazbot. Mm-hmm. which was apparently an Orkin interjection that Mork used a lot. And he would, instead of saying, okay, he would say KO um, or he would like, you know, sit in a chair upside down or like a bed, you know, upside down or right. other stuff like that. And that, that was part of how he got the job was when he went in for that. the interview, they asked him to have a seat. He sat in the chair upside down. So he like went in, you know, in, in character, in character. Yeah. So that uh, makes Mar- sense. Gary Marshall said that he was quote, the only alien to audition. <laughs> okay. Well, that totally makes sense. He would, drink from his finger you know they showed that a lot uh he could levitate stuff or other wacky things you know so the show apparently was extremely popular in its first season 
Like the Nielsen mm-hmm. ratings were actually very high. It ranked at number three. Uh, Laverne and Shirley was was number one. Three Three's Company number two, and then Mark and Mindy, which actually beat the show it's been out from was happy days, which was came in at four. So uh, then they ended up shifting the time slots and whatnot. I don't know if it like stayed as popular, but they, they shifted it to Sunday to compete with Mm -hmm. another show. And then when they moved it back, it never quite recovered. Okay. It's rating. I'll do that. Well, let's talk a little bit about the theme song. And they had a, a meh theme song for like season right. one. They actually got more disco-y in season two is what I saw. Like they changed it up to have a more disco version. <laughs> and that was, wasn't anything special either. <laughs> yeah. So meh. I watched it on Pluto TV. You guys can all, if you're big fans of Mork and Mindy, you can go back and watch it on uh, Pluto TV. And that's all I've got to say about Mork and Mindy. It, it, it's unfortunately, it's not really a show that you know, it's, it's wacky sitcom, you know? Yeah. And I honestly don't really have much to add. Uh, I went back and I actually didn't watch a whole episode. I just watched, ended up watching a bunch of clips because I was in a rush at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have time to search for it. I just going to find some clips. And it was perfect for when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. You know, wacky stuff. And I bet if I showed it to my kids, they might like it, especially okay. maybe my son. But yeah, the humor to me doesn't hold up anymore. No. It's, it's like way too over the top. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's Robin Williams at his coke filled best. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Very coke filled. You can tell. But He's riddled uh, with the stuff. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. It was never a show I really latched onto as a nostalgic person. And if you guys like it, awesome. And here, this is the Robin Williams that I've never, it's never been my favorite. Right. This is, this is, he's too manic, honestly. He just right. gets a little too crazy. I love Robin Williams as an actor who gives us little sprinkles of that. You know, you I only want a sprinkle of that, and then he actually gives us really good acting on top right. of it. So, you know, you give me like a Mrs. Doubtfire where, where you have like a couple scenes where he's got to do some kind of wacky stuff and, you know, give him some improv lines to chuck in there. Um, that's great. But here, he is, he's on all the time. And it's right. too much. It's just, it's too much for me. Um, but it's also, he's, this is early on, you know, he's younger, he, he has more energy and he had more Coke and he, so he just, <laughs> he just, he's not as refined as he was, you know, even just a little bit later, you know, in a voice artist as Aladdin or, or obviously Dead Poet Society, Dead Poet, oh my God, Dead Poet Society, where he's, yeah. I mean, his, his obvious, that's showing off his, his fantastic acting skills. Right. But, you know. It's fine. The show is absolutely fine. And you see glimmers of his greatness. And I you got to appreciate that because I watched two full episodes and you do there. They obviously let him they let him just be him. Right. It was fun to see that. And I actually, you know, I recommend if you are a big Robin Williams fan, it's kind of nice to see some of that. But it's hard for me to want to watch a whole bunch of it because it's just a little it's a little too much and it's not. Yeah, it's it's not as refined as as you kind of you come to know and what you really love. So yeah. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by. Your time is up, Hook. 
to do the casting portion of the show as we mentioned at the top we are going to be casting the dc sort of villain slash anti-hero team the secret six so this is a team that originally appeared in kind of the silver age of comics in the late 60s and in different iterations different sort of revivals and then uh in mid-2000s gail simone who is a, a celebrated comic writer one of my she did one of my favorite runs of uh, Red Sonia, um, as well as a really good run of uh, Birds of Prey. Uh, did a version of this for a comic called Villains United. Changed the team up and made them mainly kind of like almost like almost like a Suicide Squad, where they're sort of like villainous characters who undertake mm-hmm. missions uh, that are sort of of dubious moral quality. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you know, when 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 you can't rely on Superman to get done what needs to be done, you, you can call on these guys. And so she included these characters now. And so her original ones were the characters of Catman, Deadshot, Cheshire, Ragdoll, Scandal Savage, and a Parademon that was never named. And I didn't feel okay. like I wanted to cast a Parademon. So okay. what I did do was included another character called Knockout, who shows up later. Uh, who turned out to be um, uh, in a relationship with Scandal Savage. Okay. So I figured I'd add that in. So we'll do those six characters, Catman, Deadshot, Cheshire, Ragdoll, Scandal Savage, and Knockout. And I'll kind of talk about each one a little bit, just so we kind of get the idea. So Knockout is, I think she's just kind of like a big... Brutish, yeah, one. like is it Big Barda or Big Berta or something like that? Yeah, Who's... she's from the same planet as Big yes. Barda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, superhuman strength, regeneration, immortality. Yeah. So, okay. uh, who did you pick for your knockout? Sure. Uh, so I was looking around. Um, I I I didn't really know any of these. Char- the only character I know is Deadshot, and the only way I really know Deadshot is from the Suicide Squad movie, right? And that's it. Uh, so I don't really know any of the other ones. So I was kind of going on look for pretty much most of this. Sure. Um, so I kind of found a tall redhead who I'm sure can beef up if she needs to, or they'll put on some suit or CGI muscles or whatever if they need to. Um, I prefer beefing up as much as possible because CGI muscles look terrible. Right. Um, and in my head, I go to the guy from Ted Lasso in the the in the. Oh, credits for for, for yeah, playing Brett Hercules. Goldstein's Hercules. Yeah, exactly. It, I hated that. I saw that that look, and I'm like, this looks terrible to me. Yeah, it, it didn't look great. So, but we'll see how that turns out in whatever the next movie that he'll show up in. So, anyway, yeah. uh, that's totally aside. I, her name is Amanda Rigetti. She hasn't been in a whole bunch of stuff, but she's a tall uh, redhead, and that's what I saw when I saw Knockout. And so she's a beautiful lady, and I think I saw some pictures where she has. Can probably put on some muscle. So sure, okay. Um, she was in Captain America. She was a Shield agent. Yeah. So I mean, like, not a bunch of Friday Thirteenth stuff, but maybe she doesn't need too many credits. <laughs> okay. 
I'm sure she's a fine actress. She, I mean, yeah. I mean, I see some pictures, and she kind of looks like she has some like fitness model aspects to her. So I think uh, I think she can do it. Okay. I decided to go the route of physicality first. Okay. Because um, I don't know that Knockout's going to play a huge role, so maybe I don't need someone who's got the biggest acting chops. So I went to the world of professional wrestling and looked for uh, different people, yeah. and uh, I settled on the... Uh, Rhea Ripley? No, I oh. thought about her. Yeah, I thought about good. her. She'd be good, but I ended up going with uh, another one. She's a little bit lesser known. She's from the the TNA Impact Wrestling, okay. not the WWE, uh, and her name is Jordan Grace, J-O-R-D-Y-N-N-E. Uh, she's very muscular, and yeah. she looks like she is straight from a comic book. Yeah, I wanted I wanted someone with some art, like already some bulk, we could just bulk up even more and just give her that kind of almost pseudo Amazonian look to her and uh, that's definitely what you got you got you got someone who very much looks a lot like that uh like that comic book character so well done uh all right so the next one scandal savage uh yes is i believe the daughter Daughter. of vandal savage sure and she has these sort of arm blades that she mm-hmm. wears. I don't think they're robotic. They, they come in and out. I think she just has them on her. Okay. Yeah, they look like X-23 kind of blades, if you will. Mostly these characters don't have particularly huge powers. They're just sort of like good hand-to-hand combatants. Um, this one says enhanced durability. Um, but she, she definitely has an interesting look. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just kind of, <clears throat> again, going on look. And I settled on an actress, and also, so she has this sort of like, sort of like ninja mask that just covers her face, or like mm-hmm. just the lower half of her face. So I was like, okay, I wanted to do something with the eyes, and I re, or you know, pick someone who has got interesting eyes. And I recently saw, and actually just yesterday, we showed this to my son because it's already everything's already out on streaming, like a month after it comes out on <laughs> in the theater or two months or whatever. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and she plays the main antagonist, and she just had like these really like creepy eyes. Now, granted, there was some makeup involved in that, but I think it really, really worked. Uh, For her name is Daisy Head. Okay, I I don't recognize her. I haven't seen Dungeons and Dragons, but I heard it was pretty good. It was pretty fun. It's pretty. I mean, you gotta you gotta go in and just be like. Go in for the fun. Don't you know you're not going in for Winter Soldier level of. So. <laughs> uh, all right, I don't know, but I, I I will trust you on that one. Okay, cool. All right, who did you pick? Um, I picked someone who I've seen do some kind of like a little bit of actiony stuff before. I kind of got these vibes. I like her as an actress, and so I, I think I've I know I've cast her before, but I think it's been a while. Uh, she's done some action, and I thought it was a pretty decent movie uh the tomb tomb raider the more recent one i went with alicia vikander as my scandal savage you might know her from um ex machina uh some other stuff but alicia vikander is uh is who i'm going with oh man she was like almost terrifying in uh, ex machina yeah i've really yeah that movie's really good it is really good i like that that's a good one yeah that's a good big name too yeah or, I mean, fairly you. big name so yeah 
Uh, okay, Ragdoll. So there's Ragdoll living in a movie. There's Hot been chance, a bunch of uh, iterations of Ragdoll, as there often is in this one. This one, uh, the original Ragdoll was someone named Peter Merkel, Merkel uh, and her variation is Peter Merkel Jr., who is the son of the original Ragdoll. He is a master contortionist, a hypnotist, a thief. It says adequate marksman, but he has he wears like a really creepy suit. And I think in her mm-hmm. version, he has like a almost like a blank white face mask with That's like what I saw red. When I was looking at it, type yeah. hair. So uh, I'm interested to uh, hear who you picked. Sure. So yeah, you can go. I think a lot of different ways. I I know nothing about this ragdoll character, right? Um, but besides the contortionisty kind of like weird thing, and so I, my first kind of thought was like a Doug Jones because he's great at that kind of stuff, like right. playing these weird characters. But he is much older, so I went with somebody who has played another superhero and he's younger because uh, I think that would kind of fit with the the vibe that I was getting asked you know not like he's not like young but he's young young enough or younger i went with cody smith mcphee uh, who was uh nightcrawler in the more recent x-men films like the younger not the alan cumming but the uh the young right. version of nightcrawler so that's who how I do you spell with. his name k-o-d-i okay i think i used him for something at one point he's got a good look to sure. him mm-hmm. and yeah, sure, yeah if he's got uh he can kind of he's got he's lanky to... skinny i think he yeah can yeah make that work yeah I, I, I think that could work. Okay. Um, I went a different route. So in my iteration, I don't actually... Here's the thing. I've never actually read any of these comics. It sounds interesting, right. and I love Gail Simone's stuff, I, so this I has like made me want to... Yeah, yeah, this has made me want to find the maybe the trade of the villains United stuff. I might go to my local store and see if they got one or can order one for me. Okay. But in my version, Ragdoll's not going to talk. I like, like mm-hmm. in uh, The Boys, how you have like Black Noir who does not talk. Yeah, or anything. I kind of want that to going. So I did specifically look for a contortionist. I oh. didn't go with Doug Jones because I, I, Doug Doug is getting up there. Uh, but I went with this other guy who is known for uh, doing his uh, contortion stuff for all kinds of things. And I just now, just looking at his stuff, realized he actually played Ragdoll in the Flash TV series. <laughs> and I did not even catch that. Uh, but you know what? I'm bringing him back for it. Okay. Uh, and his name is Troy James. Um, but if you if you just look at some of the photos of like the makeup stuff he's done, I saw a uh, I think I saw online um, oh, wow. a little yeah, clip, a, a little oh, video clip. I think I yeah I see this yeah Ragdoll in the Flash series season five. Huh. Yeah. So I mean he knows the character. He does a lot of creepy stuff. Yeah. Oh I'm, yeah, and I just see him like doing like a. Weird contortion thing for America's Got Talent. Yeah, he. I mean, he's gonna be good. He's yeah. good for that role. No wonder he's been cast as that role already. I, I honestly, I didn't even catch that when I was looking okay. through his stuff. I kind of like scrolled right past it. So wow. Okay. Cool. Cool. Obvious. Obviously, a good. Co- <laughs> <laughs> I feel dumb for that, but honestly, I think yeah. he's a good choice. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Cheshire. Uh, Cheshire uh, is a, a long-standing rival for the Teen Titans and is the occasional love interest of Roy Harper, who is also known as Speedy. And she is a master martial artist, exceptional athlete, you know, all the all that kind of stuff that you expect in this thing where it's a team of people who don't exactly have powers but are really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so her real name is Jade Nguyen. So I specifically Vietnamese, looked for... Yeah. For someone who had Viet- hopefully Vietnamese ancestry at least, and I think I settled on a 
good actress. Uh, I needed somebody who she's going to have a lot of screen time. She doesn't, uh, Cheshire doesn't wear a mask. So I ended up going with Maggie Q. Okay, I didn't. I thought she was. I didn't. I thought she was Chinese for some reason. I didn't know that she had. No, nope, she is. Uh, she has a Polish Irish father and a Vietnamese mother. Well, I was way off. Uh, cool. Okay, Maggie Q. Samson, been around for a while. She's good. Really good actress. She, yeah, I mean, she's she's about our age. I think she's in her late thirties yeah. right now. But that that is not stopping a lot of the, our today's no. actors in their. 50s and even 60s doing some of the superhero stuff so no it's not and she's been in the divergent series which has some action stuff to it uh, she's been she, she's done quite a bit of stuff so i think it's a good very good call cool all right who did you pick um i didn't specifically make sure that they were vietnamese um i kind of hopped around i was just looking sure. for someone who so who you know i wanted to keep asian and i wanted to make sure that they had some kind of action in their background um or some type of martial arts and I ended up going with someone who I hadn't seen before, but I am excited for her to be in the upcoming Ahsoka show um, because she's going to be playing Sabine Wren, who is uh, one of the characters on the Rebels show that I know mm-hmm. you're currently watching. Yeah, just finished uh, season two. So so she's going to play the live action Sabine Wren, um, but she is also a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, mm-hmm. This actress is, she is from Australia, uh, but hopefully she can be fantastic as my Cheshire. Her name is N- Natasha Lou Bordizzo. Cool. I've seen the, uh, um, obviously the trailer. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm halfway kind of, I think there's like, what is there, four seasons of Rebels? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. And about halfway through, I'm more excited for these characters okay. coming up. Mostly, there's still one character that is absolutely bugging the crap out of me, and if I never see him again, it won't the main bother me. Character? Yeah, kind of the main character. <laughs> like, God, the kid annoys me so much. Uh-huh. All the other characters, I'm like, if you got rid of this kid, this would be like the best show ever. <laughs> but she looked cool. I wonder, and this is just off topic, I wonder what their decision was for keeping her hair short. Yeah. Or, sorry, keeping her hair long instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of making it's it short. I wonder if she just, short. the actress just like didn't want to cut her hair or something like that. I don't that. know. Don't know. So anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to it, so it'll be fine. Okay. Uh, okay. Deadshot. Uh, we've already had one iteration of Deadshot with uh, Will Smith. So who did you pick to be your Deadshot? Sure. So uh, Deadshot, at least you know, I, yeah. My knowledge base is kind of Will Smith. I don't know if the character is a black character in the comics. I don't think. I don't so, think he is. But I ended up sticking with a black actor. Because that's kind of the dead shot. I mean, also, I didn't want there to be another just like old white gruff guy because right. that's what our, that's what Catman is. Right. And if Catman's the leader, I don't need two of the exact same type of character. So he's this guy that I actor I went with is a little bit younger, but he's still not that young. Um, and he's done actiony, or he's done at least comic book stuff before. So I'd like to see him do some more. He's a good actor in general. I went with Daniel Kaluuya as my as okay. my uh, dead shot. Just, All right. I mean, he's he's a good actor to throw him in stuff. Just want to see him and stuff. Okay, that would uh, that'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. Okay, I'll take. I will take fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so I also decided to uh, keep Deadshot as a uh, as a black man. One, there were enough going to be enough other white people in this. Mm-hmm. I, I like seeing the diversity and stuff. Yeah, and I decided to fall back on an old classic that I think. 
has kind of fallen out in the last, not fallen out, but I haven't seen him as much lately. Michael, uh, Michael B? I went with Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Okay. I mean, if he's going to be in this one, yeah. I mean, he's a hell of a name. Um, they'll definitely make him, you know, a large part of it, uh, you know, if he, him and Catman and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I love Michael B. Jordan, man. He absolutely would be a do fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Catman. The character of Catman has been around since the early 60s. Uh, but I think around that time is kind of like when we had we were having some of the silly Batman comics. <laughs> sure. Um, so, again, like a lot of these characters, he's gone through a lot of iterations. This version of him is the character resurfaces uh, after uh, he tries to resalvage his life and he begins living with a pride of lions. Somehow they don't tear him to shreds. I don't quite well, understand well, how that works. Well, he's a cat man, John. I guess so. <laughs> he's one of them, but a man. Um, and he's his le- it's, his ability is listed as Olympic-level athlete, skilled hand-to-hand, proficient with bladed weapons, superb hunter, so I can see how they, okay. you know, they're going to tie that in. And so I actually didn't go the old gruff way, although I can see if you did I, how that would make sense. He is technically the leader okay, of yeah. the Secret Six. I went slightly younger. Um, actually, I have no idea how old this guy is. I want to look it up real quick. Hold on. It doesn't say on IMDb. He's got to be in his 30s. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's definitely not. I want to He's 34. He's 34. Okay. Not old and gruff, but uh, I I think. Uh, I, I wanted to also. I wanted to pick someone who I hadn't really picked before. Okay. Um, there's a lot of obvious people, you know, leading guys. And I decided to go with this guy um, because I thought he played a really good asshole. In Top Gun Maverick, I went with Glenn Powell. Oh, I liked him, and yeah, I did. Uh, I did like him in um, Top Gun Maverick, and uh, yeah, I see, I've seen him in something. He's else been too, in expend. He was in Expendables three, so he has some yeah. of that other action uh, experience. I know he has a new show or something coming out. I think it's called Devotion. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he I did that with that. Jonathan Majors. Oh, that's another flying one. Yeah, no, that's right. I do remember seeing that. Maybe it was a trailer for that one. I'm I'm cool with that. I, I, he's got a good look. He's got a good jaw for it too. Yeah, that was the other thing. I wanted <laughs> totally someone with a good, a athle- good athletic build. So. Yep. Yep. All right. So who right. did you pick for your Catman, the leader of the Secret Six? I went with a more of a bona fide star. Uh, sure. For my sure Catman, because I saw that he was going to be the the leader, and so I was like, all right, I got to have someone who can be a leader and who has proven to be a leader on other movies. He's not like the biggest build because Batman or sorry, Catman looked like he had a pretty jacked build but all comic books people Uh have jacked builds sure but i think i mean this actor can definitely do gruff he also does you know kind of good funny leadership stuff um and you just saw him in dungeons and dragons i went with chris pine as my cat man i i think i briefly did look at him and actually i as i'm sitting here thinking my initial instinct was this chris evans would be really good in this he would be good in that yeah chris (laughs) evans would be good as well But i'm sure at this point he's sick of the costumes (laughs) costumes <laughs> yeah but maybe he'd want to enjoy being an asshole a little bit more as opposed to like the upper and that's i think that'd be a thing because it'd be slightly different um but yeah. no yeah chris pine uh which is weird because in, in dungeons and dragons he actually plays a like a bard okay. so, oh really yeah okay he, so most of the action most of the fighting was done by the other characters i mean he did some but most of them yeah. were done by the other ones um okay. but i as a as an actor sure. he's a good job so yeah i'm fine yeah. with that yeah that'd be good 
Uh, so that'd be interesting. Actually, if anything, this has got me uh, an, another comic now that I need to buy and, and read because I'm, I'm it, kind of interested in this. It does sound interesting. I don't know if there's any, yeah, like if they would make any kind of movie with this one or what their plans are with DC. I'm, I'm still kind of confused, you know, how they're going to. Right. Well, I mean, DC with right with with the choices that they've made to release, the idea of them releasing a Secret Six is not out of the question because they've been picking some pretty obscure stuff. I don't yes. really see it happening, but, you know, anything could happen now that yeah. now that James Gunn's at the helm. So very possible. All right, and that was our casting of a Secret Six movie. Please join us next time for another album review. This time, John and I talk the Canadian violin group and their self-titled album, Barrage. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.